A lot of us are looking forward to getting out and doing new things, whether it's a new exercise routine, exploring new places, or even Zoom interviewing for that new job. And what better way to do it than with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears? I've heard great things about Raycons, and I'm looking forward to mine arriving today. I'm planning to rock out while I vacuum the house and then keep the music going while I walk my dog around the neighborhood. Raycon is offering Nocturne listeners a special deal. Go to buyraycon.com slash nocturne to save 15% on Raycons. Known for their fantastic sound quality, Raycons are also versatile and have something called awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings so you can take them with you wherever you go. They also have optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit so they won't budge whether you're running, dancing, or vacuuming under the table. Raycons offer eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, all at half the price of other premium audio brands. Right now, you can get 15% off your Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash nocturne. That's buyraycon.com slash nocturne to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash nocturne. Listening to Nocturne, I'm Vanessa Lowe. Tamales Bay is an idyllic inlet north of San Francisco, near the Point Reyes National Seashore. It's exquisitely beautiful, with wetlands on one end and rolling hills and forest on either side. Egrets, heron, and countless other birds visit or make their homes there. And it's so, so quiet. The bay is about an hour north of where I live, so I spend as much time up there as I can. Several years ago, I bought a paddleboard specifically so that I could spend time out on the bay and get to know its nooks and crannies. I found myself going out often alone. Literally, I have been the only person on the bay at times. I've paddled out in the middle of winter and looked down into the water to find that I'm above a school of leopard sharks. I've head out toward the mouth of the bay while the water is so still that I can see the clouds in its surface, only to find myself battling wind and waves on the return. I've fallen into the water a handful of times. All this to say, I feel very connected to this place, and it's a source of solace and peace. I've swam in the bay at night only once, and I have yet to kayak or paddleboard there at night. So when I was contacted by Amanda about her experience on Tamales Bay, I was very interested and I was curious to know if it would affect my relationship to this place of comfort. My name is Amanda Snow. It was our third year anniversary, and I saw a post on Facebook for kayaking in Tomales Bay. The post basically said, I have room this Friday and Saturday if anyone wants to join me. It's all guided, bioluminescence is guaranteed, and that sounded intriguing. Tamales Bay is only about a two-hour drive from where Amanda and her husband live in Sacramento. The post was on a Facebook hiking group she had gotten recommendations from before, so she perused the comments on the post to see how others had liked the guide's past trips. And all these other people commented and said things like, oh, we had a great time with you, and I'm so glad you're still doing this. So it seemed super legit. And I mean, the post made it seem like it was going to be so relaxing that you would be able to just sit back and relax under the stars and all you had to do was show up. This was key because Amanda and her husband had never been kayaking before. 
And also, my husband cannot swim. But the post was so chill that that didn't seem like a deal breaker. It was actually a a 420 hiking group. (laughs) It's a Facebook group dedicated to people that love the outdoors and cannabis and put them together and post pictures about your experience. So the idea was it was so relaxing that you could go out there and smoke a blunt with the bioluminescent algae. I truly don't remember if his post explicitly said, come smoke a blunt with the algae. I don't think it did. But everything in this group was geared towards being relaxed with cannabis and enjoying a relaxing time. I'll tell you right now that Amanda did bring some edibles, but she thought better of it and did not take them. So she signed up for the guided nighttime kayaking trip. And since she and her husband had never been kayaking, she had a fair amount of communication with the guide beforehand. I just was trying to be safe ahead of time. I actually messaged him a lot, and um, I made sure that he knew my husband couldn't swim. I asked him if that was a concern for him. I made sure he knew that neither of us had ever kayaked. But what was weird was he never asked me any questions, like how tall we were or how much we weighed or our experience level. And my husband is 6'3". He is a tall fella. With the trip coming up so quickly after seeing the post, Amanda didn't spend much time thinking about their guide's lack of questions. It was very spur of the moment. And we are not spontaneous people. We're not really athletic people either. We don't do this kind of thing. I mean, we travel a lot, but we road trip and camp. And we do a little four-wheel driving and hiking. But that's it. We just don't do dangerous things. I mean, in our defense, we didn't think this would be dangerous either. So we had a really nice day before we went kayaking. We went to Point Reyes, which is so beautiful. And we did a couple hiking trails, looked at the beach, watched the waves come in. And then we had dinner at this like kind of fancy restaurant. So we were supposed to meet at the Miller boat launch at 6.30 and it was gonna be an hour and a half. And the idea was as you get there as the sun is setting and you watch the sunset and then you're there while it's super dark so you can enjoy everything. And then you go home. There's not much around. There's this little restaurant and then there's the boat launch. And our guide told us that he would be in the blue truck and that there would be another like van or bus. He said there's gonna be like 50 other people and that he definitely wasn't with those people. So we kind of expected there to be a lot of people there, but there there weren't. There was maybe like four cars. They wandered around a bit and located their guide, who proceeded to unload the kayaks, oars, and life jackets they'd all be using. There were three other couples along for the trip. We all kind of waited around and hung around while the sun set, because you couldn't go out too early or you wouldn't be able to see the bioluminescent algae. And so we kind of just waited for him to give us a spiel or a lesson or something. The lesson never materialized. But he said a couple things that were a little concerning as we were all kind of milling about. He said that if you were to look at the weather report, it would look like it's too windy to go out. But he also made it seem like people that would think that were dumb and didn't know what they were talking about. The guide seemed to be implying that the large organized kayaking group he said would be there didn't show for just that reason. And it seemed calm and beautiful. It looked so inviting. 
the sun setting was that really nice color gradient of purple to orange. It was so pretty. And then the stars started coming out. My husband and I were really excited. I don't think we were nervous or scared at all. But I guess we were all sort of still waiting for a lesson. And it just never came. I was expecting to learn something about how to keep myself upright or what to do if I fell out or something to watch out for. I don't even know. It just never came. And he basically handed us the oars and said, this is your oar and here's your life jacket. <laughs> and put us in a kayak. Well, no, wait, he said two things. He said, if you fall in, no one ever falls in, but if you fall in, you need to yell because I won't be able to see you. So he wouldn't know if we were in the water because it's pitch black. And the other thing he said was, we've all paid to be here. I need you to keep up. If I say we need to start paddling, you need to paddle because you can't be left behind and you're going to hold people back. Once he said that, that's when I got nervous because that doesn't sound relaxing to me. Anyway, so we probably got in the water almost eight. I think my husband and I were the first to get in the kayaks and I volunteered to go first. So he put me in a kayak and he said something like, do you feel the foot pegs? I didn't even know what a foot peg was, but no, I didn't feel them. And so he reached in and he's like, oh yeah, you're pretty short. Let me fix these foot pegs for you. So he moved the foot pegs and then he just shoved me into the water. I about fell out right when he put me into the water. And then my husband was put into his. Um, I wasn't really looking at him because I was more focused on don't fall in right now, don't fall in. And as he pushed another couple into the water, he said, try and flip it. You can't flip this kayak. But my husband's so tall and we had these short little kayaks that he was top heavy the whole time. He was fighting to stay upright. Also, when we put the life jackets on, the guide told us we didn't have to wear them. We just had to have them in the kayak and we could take them off when we got in the water. But we did not take them off. Once they were all in their kayaks, they set off into the bay. The guide had a red light on his back. The rest of them had small green lights on their life jackets. So that we could know who was who. Because you can't, you can't see anyone. It was dark and there was no moon. In fact, you could only see the land because it was where the stars were not. It was beautiful. The guide basically said, all right, we're in our kayaks, so let's go cross the bay. And it's, it's this long finger of a bay. It's probably 10, 20 miles long, but it's a mile wide. They were headed toward a tiny little island midway across the width of the bay, Hog Island. The plan was to circle the island before eventually heading back to shore. The tide was going out toward the mouth of the bay, and this would help push them in the direction they wanted to go. The water was smooth when we first started kayaking. I wouldn't even call them waves. They were just ripples. But you do have to cross this, this long three quarters of a mile open water, and you can feel when the water gets deeper and stronger. So we get to Hog Island, and the guide starts saying, Oh, look, look down at your oars. You can kind of see the bioluminescent algae. 
he had said that we would see fish trails going through the bioluminescence and maybe a dolphin or a sea lion. That is not what we saw. It wasn't this glowing blue aura that I thought it was going to be, but I could see that my oar and my kayak and my hand were igniting these little sparks in the water. It was so cool. It was sparks like if you have staticky clothes on at night. They vibed on the luminescence for a bit, skimming their hands through the water to see the glowing trails. Then the guide began to take them around the island. What happened was, is while we were sheltered by the island, we didn't realize how bad the wind was picking up. And the wind was kind of funneling through the bay. But as we came out around the island, that's when the wind just hit us. And there were waves, and it got a little scarier. And then all of a sudden, I hear splashing. My husband was in the water. I was terrified. I didn't know how far we were from the island. I didn't know if my husband was okay. My husband's a very quiet guy, so he was really quiet when he fell in. I think he didn't know what to make of it, because this thing had happened that was never going to happen, we were told. We were told, you're not going to fall in, but he fell in, and I think he was a little embarrassed, a little shocked. I was shocked, and I was worried for him, so I, I made my way over to him with my kayak and he got out on the island. It turned out that we were 20 feet from the island and we were on some sort of sandbar so he could stand. And by that time, the guide had come over because I had yelled for the guide. And the guide was pulling his kayak up on the shore and dumping out the water. At that point, the adrenaline kicked in and I'm asking the guide, what do we do now? And the guide's like, well, is he cold? And my husband didn't answer, so I answered for him because he's soaking wet and it's freezing and it's windy. And I was like, of course he's cold, but I'm trying to say it in this fun way so that I'm not mad. And so the guide asked what we wanted to do, but we don't know what we want to do. We're out here to be guided. Like you tell us what we should do. And so I was like, well, what if you take everyone around the island and go see the bioluminescence and then we will just wait here under this little cliff out of the wind. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, so we don't get hypothermia. And also this is like covered in bird shit, but that's okay. So we waited there at this cliff on the island while they went around and looked at the algae. But I feel like they were only in the water for five minutes more and they came back around to us. And at that point, the guide was like, well, the wind is only getting worse. We need to get across the bay. And I feel like that was the only time where I ever heard him talking seriously. So it scared me. And I'm thinking, this is gonna get worse? And we have to go across the bay again? 
I mean, I don't know. Our only other option would have been to stay on this weird bird island by ourselves through the night. That's not an option. So you do have to... We had to cross the bay. Amanda and her husband had brought along a dry bag for the car keys and a cell phone, and also an extra shirt. Her husband managed to grab the bag when he fell out of the kayak. So on the island, before we took off, he changed his shirt. He had a dry shirt, and he put on a dry vest, and so he put his wet clothes in the bag. So he didn't have a new pair of pants, but he did have a dry top, which helped. And then we set off across the bay to cross the three-quarters of a mile bay, knowing that the winds were picking up and getting worse. When the wind picks up on Tamales Bay, everything changes. It goes from peaceful and serene to pretty hard work. Oh, wind was so cold. The wind was so cold, and my hands were soaked. I had gotten gloves because I thought that was a good idea. turned out to be a terrible idea because they just got soaked. Um, But I was wet. My legs and my stomach were wet, and then the wind was blowing on it. I had this hat, so that helped keep my head and face warm a bit. The waves were about a foot high, um, and the waves were coming in a direction that was opposite of the tide. So you had to, with each wave, I was kind of getting into a rhythm where I would hit the wave directly with the nose of my kayak instead of getting broadsided. That way I didn't fall out. But that was in a direction that was not the way I wanted to go. And so I'd have to keep zigzagging, go through a wave and then paddle to where I wanted to go, go through a wave and paddle to the other way. And at some point it was hard for us to keep together as a group. The tide was pulling us out so hard and the winds were blowing the opposite direction that you have to fight with your kayak and then your body wants to fall out of the kayak. So you're really fighting in all directions. And once we start to kind of split up as a group, something caught my attention and I managed to look behind me, which was really hard to do in these kayaks. And I knew my husband was behind me and he had fallen out again. And we were not far from the island and I just knew that this was, this was not gonna be good. I could see my husband's light, his life jacket light under the water and I just went into some other mode. I was yelling, he's in the water, he's underwater. It was so scary to see these lights that had come to represent us. All we were was a little light in the darkness and his light was underwater and I couldn't get to him. I couldn't do anything. You can't turn around in these kayaks. It was just so scary. I hated seeing his light under the water. That was the scariest part of it. I think he was clinging to his kayak for maybe a minute. And I could see the guide was nearby because he had a red light on, whereas we all had green lights. And so I could see the guide's red light going over to him. And the guide got over to him, um, but I couldn't see what they were doing. And I was trying to not be annoying. (laughs) 
because this is still supposed to be a fun trip when there's other people. And so I'm trying to not say things like, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? But that's what I wanted to say. I think that I only asked twice and they weren't answering me. And so I didn't know if my husband was okay. I'm assuming he's okay because surely they would tell me if he wasn't. And meanwhile, I'm trying to get over to him, but it's taking forever. Also, the guide had told me that if anything happened, which it wouldn't, nothing bad would happen, but if it did, he was certified in this and that and this and that, and he could get anyone back into their kayak in under 60 seconds. One of the other couples was trying to help the guide empty out her husband's kayak. I finally figure out that they couldn't get the water out of his kayak, which meant he couldn't get back into his kayak. So they ended up towing his kayak behind theirs back to shore. So my husband was hanging on to a rope that was tied to the back of the guide's kayak in the water. And the guide had to take him across the whole bay like that, the whole bay. It's dark, it's cold, it's windy. Also there's kelp. He's feeling stuff. He could feel the kelp kind of grabbing onto his legs. So the guide is now towing my husband across three quarters of a mile of the bay in the dark, pitch black, it's windy, there's foot tall waves. And this whole time he's being towed back, my husband is hanging on to that dry bag. Once the guide had my husband and was towing him back, he basically, he didn't use these words, but he basically said, every man for himself, y'all need to get back. And I asked him where to go, and he said this particular light was the bathroom, head for the bathroom. So I made that light my goal. That light was heaven, that light was everything. The guide was nervous, I could tell, because he wasn't the usual stoner dude that he was before. I could just tell he was nervous, he was scared. I, I knew that my husband was not having a good time in any way. Everyone's trip had changed at that point. We weren't getting the relaxing, blue glowing trip we were promised. Everyone was heading back to the bathrooms and my husband had fallen out and the whole trip was changed. I kept thinking about my husband. I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure he was mad. I'm sure he was annoyed and embarrassed. And we had had the best day. It was no longer the best day by any measure. And rather than the relaxing romantic anniversary trip she'd imagined, experiencing the wonders of nature together, at this point, Amanda estimates that she was about 30 to 40 feet away from the guide's kayak, with her husband shivering alone in the cold, dark water. My husband did say something. He's, he's a man of very few words. But I did hear him say that he was okay. And for him, that might as well be a paragraph about he's okay. So I knew that he was okay and that the guide had him. And so... I felt a bit helpless, like there was nothing that I could do. At that point, I realized I had to make sure I didn't make this a worse problem because I thought I was going to fall out the whole time. And I had to make sure that I did not fall out because the guide was helping my husband. He can't help two people. And then it got much scarier. 
So these winds are coming from the left, but the tide is pulling you out to the left and the bathroom is to the right. So I, I was having to fight both the wind and the tide and go in the direction back home. And my body went into some other mode that was simultaneously kind of scary and also kind of powerful. It was just in some other state. And every single wave, every single stroke took total mind and body focus to not fall out. It was getting worse, it was getting scarier, but somehow I kind of got the rhythm. And so I would turn left into the wave and cut the wave so it didn't push me over and then turn right to head closer in the direction of home. Turn left to cut the wave, turn right to make some headway towards home. And, and I'm, I'm in this sort of trance just going back home, going to the light, the light's home. And then I realized there is no one around. There's no one around. I can't see anyone. I can't hear anyone. I'm calling out. I don't know how far away from anyone I am. I realized that if I fell out, if I was separated from my kayak, it might be over for me. I'm sure that my adrenaline was flowing. I'm sure that my heart was racing, but I didn't feel any of that. I, I just felt super focused and super aware. And I, I felt more in touch with my senses, like my balance and my hearing, because I was trying to listen for other people nearby and my sense of sight. I had great night vision at that point, so I'm trying to pick up on any of the green lights of my partners. I just felt super focused and scared at the same time. So as I'm in this trance paddling, it feels like I'm not getting any closer. I don't, I don't actually know if I'm getting closer. I just know that I have to keep going. Just one more, one more stroke, one more wave, one more stroke, one more wave. And eventually I see a light and so I yell out, hey are you with our party and he was so relaxed he's like yeah my name's john <laughs> i was like john can i be with you i'm really scared right now and he's like oh sure <laughs> and him being relaxed made me feel a little silly for being so scared which actually helped it helped me to calm down the fact that the winds are strong and the waves are pounding and John is just propped up and relaxed. Meanwhile, I'm trying to not die. <laughs> so I, I team up with John and he accompanies me back and we're talking. We're kind of just shooting the shit, being near each other. And it was so nice for someone to know where I was in the dark. I probably paddled next to John for 10-15 minutes. We finally make it back to shore and we pulled our kayaks out of the water. Now I was on the dock knowing my husband was out there being towed in the darkness in the water. And there was nothing I could do. John got into his car and took off. 
Then the couple that was towing her husband's kayak paddled in. And I helped them get the extra kayak out. And then it was just a waiting game. I had to just wait on the dock. At this point, everyone was back except for the guide and my husband. And it was pitch black. There was no moon. There's there's a light from the bathroom and the light from this restaurant, but that's it. I can't see them. I can't hear them. In the moment, I kind of felt like some old Viking lady waiting for the Viking ship to come to see if her husband had made it. Amanda says she waited on the dock alone for 30 to 45 minutes, eyes trained on the dark bay, searching for the guide and her husband to appear. So I, I finally see a red light coming out of the darkness, and I knew that that was the guide. And so I start kind of yelling out, but they can't hear me. They're still too far away, so I have to just keep waiting. And I can see that they're getting closer, but it is taking forever. And they finally get close enough to where they can hear me and I can hear them. And I can hear the guide say, I've got him. I've got him. And they're coming closer to shore, and I can finally see my husband in the light of the bathroom. And all that's out of the water is his forehead and his eyes. His nose, his mouth, all of his body, his hands, they're all underwater. And he's hanging onto the rope that's attached to the back of the guide's kayak. It turned out that the guide thought that he was hypothermic. And so my husband tied the rope onto his hand so that he could not have to worry about hanging on. It would just keep him. So my husband told me later that he was having a hard time with the waves. So he got into this rhythm where he would take a big breath and then go under and then kind of hold it and wait for the time to pass and then go back up and taken a breath, but then he would get water in his mouth and he'd have to spit it. And so he was nearly totally underwater the whole time the guide was bringing him back. At that point, it was, it was probably around 1130 when the guide got back with my husband. So I could hear the guide yell at me, go get your car, turn on the heater. And that really scared me. It drove home. If the guide was worried after all this, the guide was worried about hypothermia. And so I'm yelling, my husband's got the key. Hopefully he still has it. And as he got closer, my husband tossed up the dry bag that had the key in it. I threw that thing open on the dock. I took everything out on the dock. I grabbed the keys. I ran up this hill because the car's up on this hill in the dark. And I'm putting the key in the ignition and storming down the hill. Amanda got some more dry clothes onto her husband and put him into the heated car. He was a little giggly, which can be a sign of hypothermia. So they sat in the car while the guide put all the equipment away, maybe another 30 minutes, just to make sure he was okay. And then we left. We drove the two hours back home to Sacramento. We made it. It's a happy ending. Amanda's husband fell asleep as soon as they got home. And despite all that time being towed submerged in the cold water, he didn't suffer any ill effects. Amanda, though, spent the next several hours wide awake, surfing the internet and reading reports about other kayakers on Tamales Bay who hadn't been as lucky as they had. Later, she thought about that other large kayaking group the guide had talked about, who probably had rightly canceled because of the weather. 
I'm so glad that Amanda and her husband ended up being okay. The outcome could have been much worse. Her experience left me thinking about the times in my life that I've taken risks in nature without even realizing that's what I was doing. From the outside to someone more experienced, it was probably obvious. And throw in the night and darkness, and often you've leveled up to a higher degree of risk. It does seem in this case, though, that much of the peril could have been avoided with better guiding. And there are good kayak tour companies in the area. But for me, the main takeaway is a reminder about respecting the power of nature and the wilderness, and the importance of being fully aware when you enter into it. As for my relationship to Tamales Bay, Amanda's story was a little bit of a wake-up call. I'm still going to go paddling by myself, and I really love it when the wind picks up and the waves form. And I do plan to go out at night soon and see the bioluminescence. But I won't be complacent, because while it's beautiful and restorative, it is wild. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Support for this episode comes from Raycon. Raycon wireless earbuds are the best way to bring audio with you. Right now, get 15% off your Raycon order at buyraycon.com nocturne. That's buyraycon.com nocturne to save 15% on Raycons. Nocturne is supported by listeners like you. Thank you to everyone who contributes on Patreon and PayPal. If you don't already support us, please head on over right now to nocturnepodcast.org support to find out how you can help keep the show going. We really need you. That's nocturnepodcast.org support. Till next time, be well, and thanks for listening.